Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome back to Ask Andrew, episode 7 this time, in which I'm going to address the question, what does classical education have to do with knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God in Christ? And I suppose as you hear that question, you might be saying, well, what gives rise to that question in the first place? And that calls for just a brief review. Way back in episode 1, on the basis or based on the belief that um, all that we learn, we begin with what I've called a caricature, a generalization, a, a vague understanding of things, and then we move deeper into an understanding of the specifics and of the principles, which is two different directions of thought, but the mind has to go in both directions. I started out in episode one with a definition for classical, for Christian classical education, in which I argued The Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful by means of the seven liberal arts. And then I ended with, so that in Christ, the student is better able to know, to glorify, and to enjoy God. Well, in the last session, I talked about the seven arts specifically the trivium and the quadrivium, grammar, logic, and rhetoric are the verbal arts, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy are the mathematical arts. I talked about those seven arts as liberating arts. Thus, we call them liberal arts because they set us free. And why do they set us free? Because they enable us to see truth. For example, if I learn how to calculate, I learn how to see mathematical truth. And because they bring harmony. If we use them for their right ends, they bring harmony to our minds. They bring harmony to our communities and even to the world in which we live because we can know it as it actually is. We can know it according to its nature and its kind. I regard those as enormously... um, I I believe those are so important that we should orient all our instruction uh, toward the, the skills that those make up, the virtues. In other words, when we educate our children, we should be asking ourselves, how can we set them free? How can we enable them to see truth? And how can we help them to live in harmony with themselves and others? I believe that the answer to that question ultimately only can be found in Christ. I am a Christian. I approach classical education as a Christian. And I believe that education and all of life is fulfilled by Christ. And so the very last part of the definition is what I want to talk about today. What does classical education have to do with knowing God, glorifying God, and even enjoying God 
in Christ. There's so many angles that I could take on this, but I need to begin, as always, with just a sort of general vague impression. <laughs> not, not, not meaning to be impractical, but I think I've argued earlier, and I'll say again, that the practical follows. The practical follows the truth. The truth is practical. And so we need to think about the, the truth behind education before we start asking how we do education. And I want to focus in this um, particular um, Ask Andrew podcast on the question of how do we teach and how do children learn in relation to knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. Now, you might remember that in the last session, I referred to the child as a person, as an image, and as a temple. And I argued that if we forget that, we're no longer teaching the right thing. Whatever it is we're teaching, it isn't what the child is, unless we're remembering that he's an image, a temple, and a person. Specifically, he's the image of God. He's the temple of God, and he's a person precisely because he is the image of a personal God, a God who is a person. That has everything to do with how we teach children. Let me give an example. of. Let's start with glorifying God, and let me give you an example of that. It is very easy to, when we talk about glorifying God, to think that the way we do that is by, in effect, by saying about God that he is good. And it is true. When we speak about God's goodness, that glorifies God. There's something we can do that glorifies God even more than talking about God, though, and that is, get this, we can be like him. If you want to manifest God to neighbor, to child, to husband, to wife, to relatives, to whoever, you can and sometimes should talk about the goodness of God. But a better way, a more effective way, is to show them the goodness of God. Now, the danger here is that you can say, okay, I know that God is love, so now I'm going to be really loving to my neighbor. And you can will yourself to love your neighbor. But those of you who have tried that know it doesn't work. We don't have the strength of character within us to love our neighbor. We don't have the the spiritual virtue to love our neighbor in a godlike way. The only way we can do that is by the grace of God working in us to be loving. Now that brings up a tension for a lot of people, including me, in the way they think about education. If that's the case, if I if I, lo- if I manifest the love of God by being like God, by being genuinely within myself a loving person because he makes me that way, what does education have to do with that? Now here, I'm going to draw back and draw a parallel. And I'm going to walk on some dangerous ground here. So I'm going to be as careful as I can, um, but... It might be worth pointing out here that you can follow up with questions, and I welcome those questions. And if I create confusion or disbelief or anger, um, please visit the the Ask Andrew page and send me more questions. Uh, And we've got a good dozen or so that have come in in the last little while that I'm looking forward to addressing. So don't hold back on the questions. Think of this. 
if God made me in such a way that I can use language, then when I use language, I am making manifest that God speaks and that I am in the image of a speaking God. I am, I am, I am able to use language because I am the image of God and words are images. They're, they're signs, symbols, if you like, of other things than themselves. If I say the car, a car doesn't come out of my mouth. A symbol of a car, a sound symbol comes out of my mouth that represents the car. So I'm an image speaking an image. When I do that, I glorify God. Whether I mean to or not, I glorify God. Now, you might say at one level, that's a very low version of glorifying God. And I agree with you, I think, but I'm happy to glorify God in a lowly way if that's the only way I can do it. If I use language well, especially if I use language well because I know that God speaks, if I treat language with great respect and reverence, then I glorify the God of language. Whether I, well, if I do it on purpose, I'm doing it because I intend to. If I use language well, I glorify God in the way I use language. Now, if I am able to use math because God is mathematical in some way, certainly the common way to think of it is God is a God of order, and and I agree with that, although math pushes boundaries when you get to the higher stuff especially. But if I am the image of God who created the world in seven days, sent Israel through the wilderness for 40 years, put the planets in motion and ratios and proportions and wove the Fibonacci sequence all through the creation, for example. Well, then if I get good at math, I manifest God's glory when I do math. It makes me think of maybe some of you too, the the old movie Chariots of Fire that came out when I was 17 or 18 years old. Big hit for some reason in which Eric Liddell, the missionary to China, is arguing with his sister about running in the Olympics rather than devoting himself to the mission field. And he says, God made me to run, and he made me to run fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Well, there are people who, when they do math, feel the pleasure of God. And I think it would be a terrible thing to take that pleasure away from them. The person who who is who is conscious of the fact that he has a gift from God, and we all have a mathematical and a linguistic gift in varying degrees, and is using that gift to simply be, that person is glorifying God and should feel pleasure in doing so. Now, if a person is in every other way equal, morally, spiritually, linguistically, and then gets better at math, then he now can glorify God better than he could before he learned math. If a person is in every other way equal, and he becomes a very skilled musician, he is now better able to glorify God, because God is a God of music. That is one way that we manifest his glory. I do not want to leave the impression that math and language and music are as important as ethical conduct. Or even more, 
that they're as important as spiritual life. I also don't want to leave the impression that moral considerations are as important as spiritual. Ultimately, we're spiritual beings, and our spirituality contains our morality, and then our our practical life, our mathematical, linguistic, just natural life, if you like, is contained by our moral life. And they all have to be ordered upward. In other words, the way we live our normal life, mathematically, linguistically, um, musically, uh, um, artistically, cookingly, (laughs) all the talents that God gives us, the way we use all those talents needs to be moral. But it can't end in the moral. It has to ultimately be spiritual. And if, if not, then we fall short of the glory of God. Nonetheless, we can't take the spiritual or the moral and put them in opposition to the mathematical and the linguistic. That would be immoral. So what I'm saying is that when we train a child to use the God-given faculties, abilities, talents that he has because he's the image of God, when we do that, God is glorified, and that child is better able to know to, to glorify God. I would add to that that I believe he's better able to know God if he uses the gifts that God has given him for the simple reason that that's why God gave us the gifts, is to know him. So if I can use language better, I can, I can read the Bible better. And in reading the Bible better, I can come to know God better. It doesn't guarantee anything but it creates a possibility. Now, qualification. A person who can't read as well can know God very well because what matters most is not how well you read, but how well you pray. What matters most is not how well you read or do math, but how well you love your neighbor. But I don't want there to be a conflict. If you develop the God-given abilities in your child, the, the faculties that God gave us so that we could know and glorify him and enjoy him, then you increase the child's capacity to know God. And get this, if a child is better able to know God, he's going to be able to enjoy God better. Now be careful how you take that. God is not an, an amusement for us. He's not a movie. But I want my children to enjoy me God wants his children to enjoy him. And he has given us capacities as human beings that are broken and discordant, but that were given to us so we could enjoy him. And if we are rightly ordered, spiritually and psychologically and soulishly, and within that we cultivate those God-given abilities, then we're better able to know, glorify, and enjoy God. Now, I want to end this session by, by requesting that you be very careful how you take what I'm saying. My guess is that half or more of you have a legitimate concern that I've crossed some line. And if you do, please be careful not to make me say anything I didn't say and draw a conclusion. I believe that God gave us our linguistic and mathematical and artistic creative abilities because we're in his image. 
he is a creator and he wants us to know him, to glorify him and enjoy him. And if we develop the raw abilities, the natural abilities that God has given us, it doesn't save us, but it increases our capacity to know, glorify, and enjoy him. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, do please write to the Ask Andrew podcast, and I will try to address them. And don't be hesitant about ordering your teaching of your children to knowing God in Christ, because... When we make it our goal to glorify him, when we make it our goal to glorify Christ, we are doing what the Father wants, and he will come to our aid. May the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.